It's time for Tuesday Terror here on the Mutual Audio Network. Be sure to leave the lights on while you listen. The following audio drama is rated PG-13, suggesting that all children under the age of 13 should listen accompanied with an adult. We ran behind the man called Two Feathers, who led us to what in my era had been the port of Portland along the Columbia River. Here, ships would load and unload their containers at Terminal 6. Or, rather, they did until it was shut down. Now, however, there was no sign that there had ever been a shipping port. Just the hulking remains of a ship that was half sunk into the river, as well as rusted out truck containers. However, it was the center of this that sat what looked like a new shipping container. Two feathers walked over to it and unlatched the door and pulled it open. Quickly inside, we can't stay out here. Tanjara, Bob and I quickly went into the container. Two feathers followed us in and pulled the door shut and latched it closed again. He then walked over to a small heating unit and sat down. We need to stay here until morning. Won't those creatures find us here? As long as we don't make too much noise, we should be safe. The creatures don't hunt over here very much. Where are those creatures? My scans detected no life signs coming from the body. Oh, that's easy enough. It is quite simple when I think about it. The voice came out of the shadows at the far end of the shipping container. A graceful, big-boned, tall, elfin-faced figure who glided into what little light there was available. But we have far more urgent and delicate matters to discuss first. Uh, Two Feathers, did you find anything to eat? I'm afraid not. Everything I encountered has been overtaken by the infected. Huh, really? Everything entered the change? Yes. Uh, How disappointing. Oh, wait, what about fish? Yes, even fish have been infected. (sighs) Great. So there's nothing to eat again. Hmm. That's six days now, Two Feathers. We still have a few ration bars left. Ugh. Ration bars. So undignified. I'd rather starve. But since I am starving... I guess I'll eat one. You could stand to readjust your priorities. The weight loss wouldn't hurt either. Watch it, Two Feathers. You're not exactly Mr. Trim yourself these days. Where did you find these people? I was certain everyone around these parts were... well-changed. I found them near the remains of your base camp. Good thing, too, as they had awoken one of them. Look... I'm sorry to interrupt. This is going to sound strange, but... Are you a man or a a woman? (laughs) Well, dear child, I'm a bit of both. You see, I was born this way. I'm not like those males who just pretend. My parents wouldn't let the doctors just pick a sex. They left it to me, so I'm both. I kept it all. The doctors aren't going to cut me up just because I'm different. You have no idea what they're talking about, do you, Tanjaro? 
No, not really. They are gender neutral, commonly referred to as non-binary. They do not identify as male or female. Oh, uh, I see, I think. <laughs> I assume you've never seen someone like me before? Not to fear, my dear. Allow me to make my introductions. I am Laurentis Olafsson, but my friends call me Lars, and I'm certain we're going to be great friends, you and I. So, who are all of you? Oh, I'm Tanjara. The robot man is Bob, and tall, dark, and brooding over there is Byron. It's a pleasure to meet you all. Yes, I'm certain it's the high point of your day. You said you could explain the creatures outside. Oh, yes, so sorry. I do tend to get carried away and forget what it was I was talking about. It's a dreadful habit of mine. Anyways, it's really quite simple, you see. The creatures outside, well, they're vampires. We sat around a small heating unit that Two Feather had turned on. It also provided a little light. Just enough glow for us to see one another. Lars had started telling us of how he and Two Feather had come to be in their situation. It wasn't all that long ago that all of this was locked in ice. Locked in ice? You mean like the glaciers? Yes, massive great glaciers once covered the whole region. It has only been in my lifetime that they have retreated freeing the land. With the region temperatures becoming tolerable... We at the Freehold decided we should look over the area for possible colonization. Our illustrious competitors would steal the opportunity from us by eating each other. And what is Freehold? Freehold? Well, it's my home. Uh, Freehold 3, to be precise. A whole city built inside of a mountain, if you can believe it. The Council decided to send an expedition here to get the lay of the land. Regrettable, I sort of got drafted and was sent along. So you didn't want to come along? No, not really, my thank you see. But I'm the Dean of Anthropology back home, so they kind of insisted I come along. Besides, I wanted to use the scribe's door. Oh, what a rush. Anyways, we arrived about a month ago, doing tests on the soil, water, and so on as necessary. But then a week or so back, we discovered an old tunnel network. It ran under the remains of Portland. We decided to explore them. That, unfortunately, is when everything went straight to hell. to think I could be at home right now, just sitting in a comfortable chair, sipping a fine wine, and listening to my operas is wonderful, but no, I'm wandering around tunnels under a dead, dead city. Why did I ever let them talk me into this? <laughs> Funny, as I heard it, Ian suggested you go spying. The scribe assigned you to this mission. You went willingly. Because you wanted to use the scribe's door in our dimensions. They'd have made it real and threatened to revoke my deanhood, Kyle, if I disobeyed Ian and didn't volunteer for this. Me, Laurentis Olofsson, of all the non-linear foes to the status quo, yes, I'd go. 
This is such an undignified situation for a person with my credentials. Hey, listen. Your education in anthropology is to guide us in determining if this area can sustain human life. Then either Phoenix Freehold or we might set up a colony. After all, we wouldn't want those down in Dallas to set a base here being so close to any freehold. You make a good point. But why did we have to come down here? It's all wet and cold. Downright nasty. I can't wait to get out of here and into something dry with my fluffy slippers and... Kyle! Lars! Get your asses over here! We found something! We made our way through the tunnel until it opened up into a very large chamber. Before us was a massive wall of ice. Oh, goody! You found ice. This isn't a big deal, you know, Heather. This whole place was covered in it not too long ago. You're bound to find pockets where ice still remains. It's not the ice, but what is in it. I hoped you might be interested in this. Look over here. I went over to where Heather was pointing. That was the first time I laid eyes on her. A mummified body of a woman is frozen in the ice. Absolutely amazing. She well preserved. She must have been in here for... Hell, centuries. She was probably native to this region. Yeah, them science boys are gonna want to run tests on the body. Well, by all means, don't let me stop you. If it's all the same... I'm going back to my camper and get into something dry and warm, like a martini. You kids have fun. Typical Lars. Always leave the heavy work for everyone else. Look, Lars is an academic, Heather. What do you expect they do? A little on-site management once in a while would not go amiss. Christ, they're supposed to be in charge of this fucking expedition. Ah, screw it. Get on the horn, would you, Kyle? We need to cut this body out of the ice. So cutting equipment was brought into the tunnels and freed the dead corpse from the ice. It was then moved into the lab truck we'd brought along with the expedition. The plan had been to remove some skin samples as well as blood to run tests on, then performing a general post-mortem to find the cause of death. At least, as I said, that had been the plan. But all that changed quite suddenly. Okay, it is 6.12 in the evening. I'm Dr. Susan Harkness. I will be performing the post-mortem. Attending me will be my assistant, Rachel Summerfield, a nurse with 14 years' experience. Say hello, Rachel. Hello, Rachel. <laughs> Hilarious as ever, my dear. Hand me that scalpel, would you? Here you go, Doctor. Right then. Here we go. Dr. Harkness was just about to open the chest of the woman's body when suddenly her eyes snapped open. They had a dark orange glow radiating from her. In a flash, she sprang up and sank her teeth into Dr. Harkness's throat. In seconds, she had completely drained Dr. Harkness of life, turning her body into a mummified monstrosity like herself. Then the doctor and the woman from the ice turned and attacked Nurse Rachel. After they'd finished feeding upon her, Nurse Rachel's dried-out reanimated corpse rose from the floor. Then, 
all three of them left the lab and went into expedition camp outside. It was like a war zone. Monster fed and slaughtered everyone they got their hands on. Those they killed rose up and joined their ranks. Infection began to spread faster and faster, consuming every living thing in its path. Some tried to resist, but they quickly learned things like bullets and knives had no effect on their bodies. There seems to be no stopping. In the end, the vampires won. It took less than an hour to kill everyone from my expedition. If everyone had been killed, how did you survive? Uh, yes, that. I sort of... well, you see, what I did was... You abandoned your friends and let them die! You're making it sound so black and white. When it became clear there was no way to stop the vampire, I decided discretion is the better part of valor. And did a tactful retreat to the storage trailer. It was a far better move than throwing away my life needlessly. I see. So what's your story, Two Feathers? How did you survive all of this? Or did you run away and hide as well? No, I did not. I was not here when it began. I was back where Lars and I come from. However, when contact was lost, I suggested to Ian, our freehold scribe, that I could investigate why. Lars isn't usually irresponsible. When I arrived, it was much as you have seen it. Lars indicated that the vampire could not be stopped, yet we witnessed you killing one. How? It was not long after my arrival that I encountered my first vampire. I soon discovered that they have a weakness to iron. You can stab them with it and it destroys them instantly. A short time later, I found where Lars had been hiding all this time. I prefer the term holding out. Thank you very much. Hiding indeed. It's strange. I've known about vampires all my life, but I've never heard of any like this. All savage and stuff. Not all vampires are alike. Some are the kind that feed on blood, dress elegantly, then sit around and waxing philosophical about the endless burdens of immortality. Then there are the others. It is more of an infection that turns a body into a mindless beast that seeks blood and spreads its infection to others. That sounds like what's going on here. Indeed. I am curious why you have stayed here. These creatures do not come out during the daylight hours. Why have you simply not left during that time? Sadly, it is not that simple. It isn't just the members of our expedition who have been infected, but all living things in this region. The vampires have fed upon anything that carries blood. Animals, rodents, even fish. It has been spreading further and further with each passing day. If Lars and I started to run at first light, by nightfall we would still find ourselves hunted by the undead. I guess we got lucky it was daytime when we arrived. But I think we can help you. We have a car. Tanjara. When the sun comes up, we can drive far away from these vampires' reach. You have a working vehicle? Yes. That would be of great help. The only reason we've been stuck here is our own means of travel has been cut off. Now perhaps we could get back to Freehold and warn them of what's happening here. 
Look, I'm not some taxi service, okay? You, you see, I've got to get out of here. I, I mean, I've spent so much time trapped in these... these... Fine. Fine. In the morning, we'll give you a ride. We'll drop you off once you get out of the vampire domain. After that, you're on your own. Hey, even if it just gets us beyond the vampire's reach, I'll take it. You mean we'll take it? Yes, 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 yes. I meant you as well. Yes, of course you did. After talking for a little more, it was decided everyone should try and get some rest before we left in the morning. Even Bob shut down to conserve his batteries. Whilst they slept around the heating unit, I went to the far end of the shipping container and sat in the darkness. Hello, Scarson. I was wondering when you'd show. You were expecting me, Palman? You seem to have a habit of turning up at moments like this. So yes, I've been expecting you. Then I guess you know why I'm here. The vampire they found in the ice. That was one of my father's nights, wasn't it? Very good. Yes, it was one of the Master of Sorrows nights. One who was infected by the biological plague the Iron Dead have created. I expected as much when they told me about the orange eyes. But how did it get here? I suspect it fell through one of the barriers and arrived on this fragment some centuries age. And became frozen in the ice? Possibly. But however it came to be here is beside the point. I'm curious to know what you're going to do about it. What I'm going to do about it? (laughs) I'm not going to do anything about it. In the morning we'll give two feathers and Lars a ride and then be on our way. You really think it's going to be that easy, don't you? Just pack up and go. Do you have any idea what's going on here? What this weapon the Iron Dead have created does? It kills. Kills creatures like you, from what I see. No, Pale Man, not just the knights. Every knight infected can spread it to others. Those they infect spread it further. This is what the dead mind wants. Mass slaughter so it can bring all of the dead under its control. The dead mind has been trying to do that for ages. Yes, but since reality collapsed, it might finally be able to pull that off. The war with your father is the only thing standing in the way of the Iron Dead's goal of total domination. Okay, but what do you expect me to do about it? I'm just one man. Yes, but a man of many talents. I suspect that if anyone can stop the outbreak on this fragment, it's you. (laughs) That's why you've been following me, isn't it? Why you keep turning up? This is my father's way of exploiting me to work for him. You're one to talk. How many people have you exploited to achieve your agenda over the years and through their tears? How many lives have you sacrificed? You are truly your father's son, Pale Man. Two beings cut from the same cloth. What if I decide not to help? What happens if I just leave? In time, the plague will kill every living creature here. Even this freehold place won't hold up against it. Eventually, it will spread through the barrier onto other fragments and infecting everything there as well. The choice is up to you, Pale Man. It will be entertaining to see what you do next. In a flash, Scarson was gone once more. Thus, I was left alone in the dark with nothing but my thoughts for company. You've been listening to The Byron Chronicles, Beyond the Veil, Part 6. Written by Eric L. Busby, 
and J.A. Babian. Featured in the cast were David Alt as Byron, Nicole Goodnight as Tanjira, Eli Hirschman as Bob, James Sedevy as Two Feathers, Tomcat as Lars, Natalie Van Sistine as Scarson, Rissa M as Heather, Heath Martin as Kyle, Margaret Ashley as the Doctor, Lisa Sedevy as Rachel, Script Editor Tracy Babian, Sound Designer Eric Busby, Music performed by Kevin McLeod and Adrian Von Ziegler. Byron theme by Kai Hartwig. Executive producer was Eric L. Busby. Credits read by Tomcat. I'm Brian Miller, creator of Radio Living America. Does listening to the news leave you feeling anxious and distressed? Do you want to be informed about current events, but without all the rage, bait, and hyperbolic bile? Then tune into Radio Living America, a fictional news program set during a zombie pandemic in the not-too-distant future. Anchorman Brian Andrews and his team of field reporters will deliver the most important stories of the undead crisis and probably leave you feeling better about the world than the real news does. Season 1 is available now at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you access podcasts. Hello, listeners. If you're a fan of the shows of Eric Busby Presents, then you clearly have excellent taste. And it also indicates that you would no doubt enjoy the Tesla City Stories, which is... It's a recreation of the various radio programs of the long-defunct Tesla Broadcasting Company performed live on stage here in Portland, Oregon. Programs unique for their time as they exist in a shared continuity. Uh, Don't let that word scare you. Newcomers can jump in anywhere and enjoy. And we hope you do, as we're happy to announce our return to the stage this March 11th. Come join us at Portland's historic Old Church Concert Hall at 8 p.m. as we present episodes of the sitcom The Off-Key Life of Viola Harper and the supernatural crime thriller The Wraith. Tickets are available online at teslatix.com. That's T-E-S-L-A-T-I-X.com. Come on back to 1944. We'll save a seat for you. Hmm. It says the Ian Kyleson and the Cassie Robeson commercial. Okay. Well, the author knows what he's doing. Hey, Cassie, here's something else we need to record. You ready? I guess so, if that's what he's wanting. Are you sure this isn't the cast director writing this? You know, I'm not sure. Oh well, here we go. You know, Cassie, I didn't realize so many people were listening to our reports for the Kyleson Chronicles. It's a little unnerving knowing that they are. Hopefully, though, I don't sound like a kid. Nah, your voice sounds okay to me. Of course, being my twin, it would sound normal anyway. Oh my gosh! What? What? Ian, just how many places can people pick up our reports from? Well, I know the reports are heard on iHeartRadio, Audible, um, Deezer? Then I think there's Spreaker, CastBox, Apple Podcasts, Facebook, Podcast Addict, Let me think. I know there are more platforms like in the UK, India, Germany, Africa. Heck, I even think they listen on Spotify, Podbean, and something called Overcast? Mom says there are people that want to know what it's like on the surface outside. Kind of scary knowing that we're being heard all over the world. Well, Cassie, I guess that's just part of being a scribe. 
You know, J.A. Babian is the official author and producer of the Kyleson Chronicles. I know I want to keep my trust in him to make sure our reports are heard. Well, they are important, I guess. Whew. I don't know about you, but I am absolutely exhausted from walking in that thunder snow. My legs are flat worn out. I'm going to bed. Good night. See you in the morning. Night, Cassie. See you tomorrow. For you folks listening to this, I just wanted you to know that we are the Kyleson Chronicles. Enjoy the episodes and our travels across the world in the year 4062. Please subscribe and share our adventure on your favorite media listening app. You start with an idea, a what if. Then you populate this idea with characters, heroic, cowardly, dramatic, humorous, scheming, clueless, as many as you want. Then you stir them briskly in a plot that turns this way and that until a satisfying ending is achieved. You've just written an audio drama. The challenge is, can you write one and finish it before the end of February? That's the challenge of National Audio Drama Script Writing Month, so get busy. For details, go online to sonicsociety.org slash nadsrum. That's N for National, A for Audio, D for Drama, S for Script, W-R-I for Writing, and M for Month. Don't ask me why writing is represented with three letters. I didn't come up with it. But maybe I could write an audio drama explaining why. Hmm...